The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. Hey, you bloody drungos. Kyle Jones here. Twisted nuts, old staple sack. You're listening to The Intermediate Line with Chris and Voltsy. Enjoy. Or don't. I don't care. This episode of The Intermediate Line is brought to you by Manic Tackle Project, the only company who knows fly fishing as well as you do. And Beast Brushes, Australian-made brushes and dubbing, professionally graded natural materials, plus a full shop for all of your fly tying needs at beastbrushes.com. Like, uh, yeah, 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 dude. I'm, I've been busy, man. Wow, I'm busy. Like, what, what have you been doing? I mean, you were Fuck. really late, you know, dude. You're yeah, so late. If you were a period, you'd be having a pregnancy test. <laughs> That's how late you are. You've gone early on this show, haven't you? No, nah. <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, look, I'm copping it from uh, both ends at the moment. It's, uh, I've been cooking bucktails, mate, and what on. I've been cooking, but I've been dying. Okay, for you layman's, I've been dying bucktails. Well, you got so, a new load in, huh? You got oh yeah, yeah, I got, it. I did. I got a, a fresh load of, uh, of bucktails in at the beginning of the week. Um, I've just graded them all, and I'm just dying the colours out now. Uh, yeah. Yep, and that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and on a day that I probably shouldn't be doing it, it's my 14th wedding anniversary today, Ooh. and um, and I'm I not only it. copying it from you for being late, but I'm also copying it for doing a podcast and dying bucktails on a day that I should be probably taking my wife out to dinner. Ooh, really? You haven't done anything special? Anything to make uh, it special? Tomorrow night, I might take her to that Scottish restaurant. <laughs> Let me guess, McDonald's? That's the one. <laughs> no need to see the menu. I'll have a Big Mac and she'll have a quarter pounder. <laughs> That's how confident I am at that, that Scottish restaurant, mate. I know the yeah. menu so well. Yeah, yeah. It always makes me happy. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm loving it. Um. <laughs> happy anniversary, guys. 14 years of wedded bliss. Heck yeah. Incredible, man. Well done. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yep, and to think that like I, you know, like she already knew I fly fish before we met right from the start, you know. Really? And st- we still stuck it out. Was that sort of like a sympathy date, the first one? She's like, fly fishing. Oh, I fly fish, but I'll go out with you anyway. I just want to bring it up as a bit of advice to anyone who's having trouble keeping a relationship. You know, yeah. just just bring up early that you fly fish. Ah, right. Worked right, really right, well right. for me. Yep, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well that, yeah, man. So that's that's what I've been doing. But I've got a yeah, a heap of new stuff that's rocked up this week in the yeah. beast. And I guess as far as sponsors announcements go, I probably should bring up a few of those. And one of the ones that I'm uh, that that well, you know about that I'm I uh, can I did have it last week when we spoke to Mark from Urban, but um, I just handed it out a couple of times to people, and I wanted to see people's opinions and stuff. But um, mm. I've got a uh, a new line of um, of fly boxes that have rocked up based on. Uh, you know, looking at the um, the things I didn't like about what was in the market already, and I'm pretty happy with the design, what it's come up with, and I've yeah. got a new like a, a new set of boxes called candy cases. The candy cases, yeah. Candy case, yep. Excellent, yeah. So, yep. Um, so listeners, I've I'm in possession of a candy case, um, I'm and I'm very impressed. Hand. I am <laughs> I'm very impressed with the candy case. They are clearly better than. Ah, uh-huh, nice. <laughs> than oh, some of the other ones I've got. I've I've tried a lot of the other ones. Uh, I can't think of brand. I haven't tried actually. Let's um, let's not let's not mention yeah, other okay. brands. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that but let me tell you, yeah. these these offer no apology to any other brand. They're um they're fantastic. Um, and um, I'm sure you'll you'll be spamming social media over the next few weeks with them. Um, I, oh, I will do. But yeah. I certainly will. Let's start off with listen to this. That's the candy case used as a drum badly. <laughs> so you could, you could, one of the advantages to the candy case is that you can show up to a, 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 a drum circle pretty much anywhere, no matter what language they speak, and sound just as bad as any of those other hippies. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Drum, Drummers are universal, aren't they? Yeah. 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 People, you mean people who hang out with musicians, right? Yeah. 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 G'day, whack. Yeah. G'day, whack. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Duggan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, no, but I'll describe them pretty quickly. Uh, you know, they're a, they're a very hard, durable, thick, um, crystal clear uh, ABS um, box with a large st- stainless steel pin in the back. Yes. It's got um, durable, not foam, but e- e- EVA um, slit slit foam in it. Um, yep. It's. Uh, I decided to make it one sided for two reasons. Uh, yeah. One reason is that uh, because it's clear, um, I like to be able to look if I'm carrying a backpack or I've got several boxes, I don't have to reach in, open it, and then close it back up and put it back. I can see what's in it straight away. Um, yeah. The other reason is that uh, I don't, I, I want it because I fish a lot of things like Dahlbergs and Poppers and, and even surf candies and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that when I close a lid that's double sided, I hate when they touch each other, you know? Particularly something that squashes uh-huh. down, like a like a hollow yep. fly or something like that. Sure. Annoys me, you know. It's just because you know it's. Nice. You don't yeah. know until you opened it back up that you perhaps ruffled some feathers. Yeah. On, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I really appreciate the transparency on these single-sided, totally clear box. Yeah. Um, and one other advantage I can think of is, you know, if you put these bad boys in the box and for whatever reason it's not perfectly dry or a bit of salt or something's got in there. And you got one of those those hooks that rust pretty quick, you might know about it until it's too late till you try to pull it out of the slit, which might be you know next week, next year, you know next season, whatever. 
Um, but it might be too late and, you know, you'll be out on the water thinking, you, oh, I'm going to use, I'm going to put on that fly there, you know, that that expensive one that, you know, or it's just right for this scenario and you get into, out of the box, out of the foam and you realise it's rusted. Yeah. And you didn't know because you couldn't see it. Yeah, well, that's 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 was one of the main considerations because um, yeah. was um, was because it's a waterproof box. It's got a, like a, a silicon O seal around it and like two cam locks on it as well. So yeah. it's pretty pretty durable like that. The problem is that because it's so um, it's it's IP67, so it's, it's waterproof and dustproof, which which is you know you could probably call airtight. You wouldn't if I put you in it, you'd probably suffocate pretty quickly. Let's put it that way. Not that yeah, right. you'd fit in it, mate. You're a pretty big dude, you know, six four and stuff. But um, six four, two fifty pounds. Yeah. The, the the thing with that that micro environment there is that flies can't ventilate. If you put them away wet, and mm. you, or you think they're dry, you'll be able to see condensation build inside that, and you know that you got to you know flip the lid, keep it open, you know. Problem, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Um, so you know, it's got a little lanyard attachment there. You could hang it off the back of your bag, all that sort of stuff, if you wanted to. But uh-huh. it's about the size of you know, like your um, you know, your CNF Grand Slam boxes and stuff like that. I guess you could say without putting a tape over it. I don't actually. I've got a. Oh, it feels, don't have feels a, tape. a little bit thicker, I think. Like deep, uh, deep, the top to bottom. I had the opportunity. I'm gonna grab a ruler. Oh, come here, baby. Yeah. yeah. Woo. Um, had the you opportunity next, to next to your bed. Yeah. yeah. At the yeah, I had the opportunity to spec this out and um and ask the manufacturer, um you know, ask me what what specs I want as far as durability and stuff goes. And obviously the price goes up. The more um, detail in it, like like I said, like camlock latches and stainless steel pin as opposed to being mild steel and and um and even the greater silicon for the o ring. But the ABS was uh, was quite quite detailed as as the options you can have. And so I've gone for um I've gone for basically what would be maximum durability for for a clear model to at least to the capacity that that they've got um so you know it, it's like it's like you know about four four to five mil abs essentially but proper clear like transparent glass clear you know but it's um it's 180 centimeters by 100 uh sorry 180 millimeters 180 centimeters would be a big box um by 100 mil. 180 by 100 and uh, uh, and deep, which is the biggest feature of it, which I like, is uh, it's it's the box overall is uh, 45 mil deep, but it's got 40 mil inside. So like I said, you know, like a, a 3040 Dahlberg, easily probably even bigger. You could probably even yeah, you could probably fit a much bigger fly in there. But high flies like uh, cod flies and so like, like a day pack for just taking along, but also chucking things like surf candies in there so the other side doesn't hit and stick that you know if you're using like a shit resin like not raids out you know you'd um you'd touch <laughs> yeah oh the double plug nothing nothing better than the old double plug right you're really singing for your dinner tonight heck yeah, yeah. well i'm pretty excited about it man very excited yeah it's, um, it was too to be honest you yeah know, when um when uh, i got that one off you it i thought you'll do well with these they've got that uh indefinable uh feel of quality about them so you know, short, short of them fucking up long term, I can't see an issue. I think they're great. Yeah, and mm. I'm gonna. Well, you can go to Beast Brush to see the price of them, but I can tell you they're way, way cheaper than um, when it comes through. But it doesn't go through many hands when it's straight from the manufacturer to, to me mm. to you. That's for sure. So it's um passing yeah. on a pretty good price. Yeah, there you go. Yep, against against advice, as you would know. <laughs> a lot of people have said to me it should be way dearer than that, but um. I did yeah. say that. Yeah. Listen. Yep. Yes. So, yeah. Anyway, 
They call me. They call me Bear Chris. You know, Bear like Chris, the, the big, the big Kev of the fly fishing industry. You know. <laughs> I'll tell you something <laughs> I've learned through years of sales, Chris. It's the uh, it's the poor salesman that only sells on price. So, you know, oh. I'm glad I'm glad you're hitting the quality angles as well, there, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, yeah, integrity is pretty important, mate. That's for sure. There's, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, and I don't like being embarrassed because nothing would be more embarrassing than having someone go, "Hey, man, this thing fell apart." Um, I'd hate to take someone's coin if it if it did, but anyway. Do you guarantee on that, mate? Haven't even uh, thought of that. Well, I mean, like it's it's manufactured for me to my spec, you know. So it's me who's got to warrant that. So I haven't thought of it. But I mean, like, um, yeah, I'm not I'm not looking to um, head to the Canary Islands anytime soon. If it if it stuffs up, just hit me up. But I don't think it will. Yeah, right. Mm. Can't see it stuffing up. No, it looks pretty good. I did. I did another bit of. I got another product in that I got manufactured to my specs as well recently. But I won't bang on about it. That rocked up today, and that's just a pair of the scissors that I got made to be able to trim brushes. Like, um, so they're not. They're not exactly my a new spec that I invented. They're um. They're an, they're an old pair of scissors, so they're they're serrated, so they cut and grab. But um, on on both blades. Uh no, I only got it one at one blade based on on advice because it's um, I've got ones that are on both blades, and they um and although they grip like that as well. Um, yeah. I, I believe I probably I don't know I might look at it for the next lot, but these ones um they they don't go as dull quick when they're when they're only belated, only straight on one side. Right, gotcha. Right. Yep, yep. So it's um yeah so yeah pretty cool. But um they'll be putting they'll be out in the shop by the time this thing comes out. But uh, that's what they're made for for uh, like you know they would normally be called hair scissors I guess you could say. Yeah. But, um, but they're the, the type. There's a lot of different types of hair scissors regardless of the length. But the blade configuration was something I always liked to be able to trim my game changers. People always said to me, "Do yeah. you use clippers and stuff like that?" And I've tried it. There's been people who've rung me up, and I've been like in the middle of making a game change and using clippers, and they can hear the the motor going. And they wonder what's going on. But yeah, um, yeah, the buzzing noise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but nah, for uh, 99% of the um, of the game changers I've ever tied, I've just used scissors. I reckon it makes a much neater job for the particular type of scissors. Anyway. I just got a PM from a listener actually. Um, I'll just just read this out. Uh, this is from um, a guy in Weeper, Dean Peltman. Um, mm. How many pairs of hair scissors will I require for uh, my five foot six sized back? Dear Dean, uh, uh, hair scissors probably are not going to apply too much, as opposed to say maybe a pair of uh, shears. Shears, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would look to um, some of the shearers or something like that for some of those. Um, you know, more, more, uh, more pelt-like, uh, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like a, yeah. more, more pelt-suitable apparatus. Yep, yep. What do you say? Yep, yep. all right, cool. We'll yeah. pass that on. So, something for the wool industry, maybe, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. All right. Maybe a wool wash as well, hey? Yeah, just well, saying. I mean, just we've had some feedback. Uh-huh. All right, well, I'll... <laughs> I'll put that in a message to him. It'll save me the hassle. Just when this comes out, we'll tag Peltman in it just so he knows to listen. Yeah, maybe yeah. just um, reply back. Just replying to you now on the podcast. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah Can you hear that? That's cool, man. Yep. Yep. Got it. Yeah, tits out. That's awesome. Nice. Yep, done. All right. Yep. So we got a great guest tonight. And uh, as promised last week, towards the end of the show, we did say that we've got a guest on that... Um, 
we'll uh we'll highlight the um you know well sorry highlight i'm sure but it's more in theme with uh with the opening of trout season yeah yeah look it's um this guy is uh he's a he's a trout enthusiast fantastic young trout fisherman um so yeah he's um based in new south wales but he travels a fair bit and um yeah He's, uh, do you want to introduce him or what? Um, you, I can do. Yeah, I'm just throwing it back to you, man. I've, I've right, run out no of words. Well, the, the young man's name is Angus Reynolds. Angus uh, Reynolds? Is that his real name? Angus Reynolds. Yep. Well, and what, why would anyone make that up? I don't know. Has he, has he got a stage name or something like that? Like, is there a, a showbiz tag or an instant tag that he uses? Oh, well, yeah. He's not at... at at Agnes Ro- Angus Reynolds, I mean that'll confuse it with his brother Ryan, I'm sure. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he just calls himself Bong Bong Fly at um, at, at Bong Bong Fly on Instagram. It's a great page. You should check it out. And I'd like to get to the bottom of where that name comes from. Pretty early on in the interview. Sure, sure. Wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I need to know what we're talking to him about, or you know, how we how we got that name. We should find out everything. Yeah, all right. Let's let's well, get like an more. interview. Like an interview. How about just an informal chat? Well, I prefer yeah, that. right. Better. Yeah. Let's just um, let's just stay in our lane, mate. It's, it's important to stay in your lane. Yeah. Don't you reckon? Sure, mate. For sure. Stay there. You will never be embarrassed staying in your own lane. Nah, nah. Yeah. You're never going to trick anyone by staying in your lane. That's it. All right. Um. Oh, first, first we'll hang up here, and then we'll get Angus on. Sure, that's what we do, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah, that's that's what we do. All right, we do, Chris. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should I bleep that out? No. All right. All right. warming up i think i actually wiped out the whole intro i accidentally didn't press the stop button i I hung up um but i'm pretty sure we'll be right no you'll be right i'll be there yeah right mate very very me yeah no plans i like it no plans at all mate oh we're on all right so welcome back listeners we are here with with angus reynolds how are you angus yeah going well thanks how are you good thanks mate um I guess the first and foremost question is that most people want to know is, do you still keep in touch with Ryan very much? Oh, no, we fell apart ages ago. Yeah, right, okay. Yep. Yeah, yeah, after the separation. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. Separation. What was the separation, mate? Oh, it was, you know, pre-divorce stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some sort of, uh, yeah, okay. You were we don't want to put you on the spot, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Volts. It's obviously a touchy subject, mate. I didn't really know we were going to go there, but no, I want to. I want to go deep on this. Is was he planning to marry someone like he was with the same surname, or was it actually a relative? I mean, you he know, didn't where... fish. he didn't fish. <laughs> didn't, well, that's fair enough. Didn't yeah. fish. Probably yep. didn't drink VB either. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Ryan. Ryan Reynolds, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. So. Angus, mate, we've we've got you on the show to uh to, to talk about you know the, the, some of the um some of the things in fishing that you're passionate about, 
Um, we mentioned in the intro that you know this is this is coinciding with with trout opening, and um, you know myself and Volts thought to ourselves, you know, like who better to have on than uh, than to talk about life during trout opening than than Angus, mate. So I really appreciate you making the time to chat to us, idiots. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> Plenty of time already made. I had some pre-prepared. Awesome, mate. We we get we get chewed out a fair bit in regards to you know, um, not so much not having trout content on there, but not you know not. You, I, how do I word this? Um, maybe you could jump in, Volts. You know what I mean, right? I think I think people would like a stronger trout flavour. We get we get that sort of regularly, and um, you know, believe it or not, we have um, we have some people even criticise us for what they think are our views on trout. But, you know, we're just generally roasting a lot of the time, or Chris is at least. Um, oh. Yeah. But you know, we, we're, we're all good. We, we enjoy it. We'll enjoy all fly fishing, um, even trout. So <laughs> I, think, I think what you meant to say was even brim, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What but are your anyway, thoughts on brim, Angus? Brim? Um, yeah. Yeah, no good. <laughs> no good or nah good. Yeah, nah, nah good, mate. Yeah, I like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real fine line there. If that was in text, it would be it would be uh, hard to see. So it's good to get the nuance out with um the way you communicated that. So yeah, right. <laughs> but if you had a choice, you know, like uh, you know, like a last fish to fish for, it, would it be brim? Mm, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be my last. Um, yep. Although it was probably my first. It was right up there um, with the little Rex hunt rod I got when I was about five. But, um, yeah, yeah aw- awesome fish. I actually, you know, um, underappreciated them for a, a long time there and then um, and then got got it back in the um, fishing for some black brim last winter. Mm. And that was that was really cool. Yeah, well, that's um, – I mean, that's that's like us, mate. We, you know, like as, as we were sort of alluding to there, which I'm sure – the educated will pick up on that that we you know we do like brim but we do like uh getting a rise out of people who are passionate about um things that they're into you know it's um it's a good part of online fishing for us but uh inadvertently it does lead us to um to talking about how you got started you know because I, I find that really interesting with with all our guests is um is this rex hunt rod like a a combo fly rod or was this um like a spin rod you got into have you been how long have you been fly fishing for and how did you get into it is what I mean oh, to say. Fly fishing, seriously, probably, uh, I don't know, about seven, seven years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, like, serious stuff. Before that, it was, like, um, like a, a lot of people I see and a lot of clients that come along and things where it's it might be something you do once in a blue moon or, or it's sort of side to um, other forms of fishing. Um, so... So it's it's kind of a hard one to answer because I've always we've always sort of had fly rods around and um, you know dabbled here and there. But when when I it was actually um, when I was guided by Josh and it just kind of blew my mind how much more there was to it than I knew about. Mm. Um, and Instagram's been huge for that too because it just sort of yeah opened my eyes to to how in depth it all was. And so yeah, it's been been a really dense last sort of seven years i reckon of of cramming it all in mm. but it's been also quite exclusive with the with the fly gear the odd the odd um flick of a spin rod but but yeah i, I used to do 
fair bit of um, beach fishing and boat fishing. Dad really likes sort of reef fishing and um, and then lure fishing. You know, going going trekking around. Same sort of stuff that I do now with the fly, but just just um, you know more more of the conventional stuff. And 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 that all stemmed from yeah this this well actually we lived on the Shoalhaven River when I was um, about two and. From then, it was just always hanging around Dad, going fishing with him. Before that, when we, when, when I was born, too young to remember, there was a trout stream on the property, and Dad used to do a fair bit of fly fishing there. Um, but it's just it's just always been around, you know, just same as probably most people, just kind of any bit of water you'd stare at and catch tadpoles in and that sort of thing. And, mm. yeah, pretty, pretty unexplainable attraction, really. Yeah, I can relate to that. One thing you said there that I wouldn't mind just briefly exploring, which is probably – yeah, you know, might be a surprise that I pulled that out of it, but I just find that interesting as well that you said that social media, um, you know, it, it inspired your direction a little bit there. Do you think that was um, partly because you can see the potential through other people's results that inspired you to sort of just, you know, like I'm going to stick with fly fishing? I know you mentioned that Josh had a bit to do with it and so on as well, but just that part of it, you know, do you think that might be a fair enough thing to say? Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I suppose... I suppose it's kind of yeah it just it just showed me things that i had had no idea about like um the salt water stuff I'd, i was um working working around a lot of salt water fly fishing before that sort of seven years um and and dabbling with it but um but also hadn't been using instagram to see just the kind of culture as well i think i think the culture for me is quite attractive like the um just the friends that I've made and and the people that you talk to who have similar interests and things. It's just, it's become a, a um, really cool community and, and um, yeah, I've made some of my best friends off Instagram. I've got to say, like just, you know, I might be going somewhere to go fishing and I'll just talk to someone from the area and they're like, Oh, I've got time. We'll, we'll catch up. And yeah, some of my most solid friends are made that way. Yeah. Yeah. I must admit I've made some good friends from, um, from, from uh, social media as well. Um, some some made some great friends through social media, um, you know, forums, Instagram, um, and Facebook. Uh, I'm going to sound like a tragic here, but I, my life would be a bit different without it. Um, mm. You know, I wouldn't say it'd be better or worse. I'm not sure, but it, I don't feel like it'd be as rich. Yeah, um, it'd be hard so. to connect with those people, and like I just didn't know anyone my age who was yeah keen on it, and um and and that's been a big driving factor as well. Like, um, you know, just just sort of. Not not that it's competing, but just seeing what other people are doing, going, oh, that's a good level. I'll I'll try that, or or picking up tips and absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it. And it's most powerful, you know, the uh, social media is it's it's allowed people who have actually haven't physically met to help each other level up, um, you know, in in a non-competitive but you know um, constructive way. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic from that point of view. That's a, that's a, the positive of social media. There's a a bit of a downside to it too, but we might examine that another time. I don't want to go down that rabbit yeah. hole today. Yeah. I mean, always look at it sort of as well, like um, before social media, just with with different hobbies and things like, you know, like surfing, skateboarding, wakeboarding, all that sort of stuff as well. And and by the time I've got all my magazines from all those different things and I want to hang on to them, I've got, you know, removalist boxes full of different magazines and now Instagram just does all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? Everything in, instantly archived, and um, yeah, it's a fantastic medium for for that. Yeah. 
Mm. No, look, there's some there's some pluses and minuses. That's definitely for sure. That uh, I think for the longevity of the sport, there's um it's a it's a big plus. That's for sure because it's uh it's those results that inspire people to go. Oh, it can be done. Or 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 wow, there's a whole um there's a lot of information to be learned in regards to getting to that point. You know, it's uh, it's inspiring uh, and all that sort of stuff as well. You know, so yeah, you know, just just keep on the um on the aspect of the positives. I mean, this show is um is fueled by that as well. I mean, um, managed to call it spade a spade. Like the the interest that we that both of us had in, in you, Angus, was from what you show on on social media as well. Yeah, you know. And I guess um I guess that segues me to my next most important question. And we polled a lot of listeners before the show for this one, and the overwhelming number one question was, um, how did you get the name Bong Bong? <laughs> yeah. I'll get that question quite a bit and um, and much to a lot of people's surprise, it's actually the name of the area I live in um, or the traditional custodian's name of the area that I live in, um, okay. Southern Highlands. Um, I, I always thought it was pretty funny just seeing the name around, you know, street signs, Bong Bong Street and this stuff and, you know, Bong Bong Plumber and all that sort of thing. So I just thought, mm. you know, it's, um, it's a catchy little name and relevant and... Um, yeah, that story is um is is great. I'm glad I'm glad we we're able to bring it to um to um to light. I, I don't know, oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. like yeah. New Zealand's really good with it. Like um, yes. you know, they've got a lot of it in their just you know society. Um, and yeah. I think I think we could do with more of it. I know there's sort of guidelines of how you can be insensitive and things like that, but um. You know, the fact that it's street names and and plumbers are calling themselves Bong Bong Plumbing and things like that, uh, I, I, I'm just either a bit naive to it or, but all all respect is meant. Yeah, no, I can see where you come from, man. That's um, yeah, for sure. Using the land, so respect. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree. That's where it comes from. Yep. Um. So that's uh. That's yeah. Okay. Well, that 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 um. That kind of um leads us onto something else that um. You know, I want to want to highlight that I've learned from you in in, in recent times is that uh, your in, your interest in in the land and um and also uh, trekking to sort of um to find new places and how that relates to your fishing as well. Um, so do you want to tell us a little bit about what you prefer to do with with your fishing in that in those regards? Yeah, well. Uh... Um, I get I get bored pretty quickly if it's repeating things, um, and and so I'm constantly sort of um, you know trying to make things either harder or or do things in different ways. Like um, you know early on, I really enjoyed um, sort of like live baiting and um, things like that, where where you'd sort of it's almost like you're setting up a little bit of a chain reaction that might occur or or doing things in a slightly different way like bait fishing to me um as far as just a scented bait goes um gets old pretty quick like I, I love doing it with dad going out in the boat and just sitting around but that's more of a social thing but for me um what i really like about fishing is 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 an adventure with with fishing as a component for it and um and i, I get a big kick out of that and and i don't necessarily being a guide as well in a in a kind of relatively unknown marginal area i was doing a lot of searching in places that were that were void of any fish well, i mean there's always something about or generally something about but 
um, I, I got very comfortable with, you know, spending an overnight trip just looking in a place that possibly could have some fish. But I, I just, yeah, really love that kind of adventure where you you get your gear sorted and and set out on that little journey down a down a trail and and explore and you know for for how how much google earth can show you once you get to a place it's all it's always so different when you when you get down on the level and the scale of things opens up and and um and getting away from everything as well you know get get a bit claustrophobic if i don't kind of get out into those open spaces and and hear the noises and smell the smell the smells and all that sort of stuff so yeah that's that's definitely it for me like i'd, I'd rather catch tiny trout in a in a remote stream that i've found or or have, have located than um you know catching six pounders in a lake where i know there's plenty okay what what's some of your favorite parts of the country to do that oh i had a really good time in that new england area um which sort of um was was really unknown and and i didn't have any contacts around that area i found like the southern highlands was quite easy to get around because i had a lot of contacts here and and the snow is all national parks but up around new england there's um you know it's fair fair hand of um national parks and access and things but there was also private properties and i had to kind of make relationships and things like that to get into places and and um but that was such a cool area for me because i um I'd, I'd fished kind of around um gloucester and that sort of stuff right. years ago with dad and um and but then going back up there and exploring all the um you know the guy forks and the serpentine and getting to know the guys at the hatchery there they were legends yeah, and I, over at ebor like over that side mm -hmm. of new england yeah right yeah so yeah on that on that sort of eastern side um yeah. of, of uh, new england there yeah right so it was mostly um, New England has a rich variety of, of fishing available. Um, you know, you got Murray cod, you got East cod, you got um, uh, you know Browns, rainbows, there's even brooks. You know, in a, in one particular spot down near where you were. Um, you know, and then you got the the western drainages. You know, as you get a bit lower, you got carp and redfin. Even in in Armadale itself. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on, eh? They stock some bass up there as well. Um, yeah. I never actually. I never actually got into them, but yeah, they stock some bass around the area, and um, my PB actually came off a off the back of a um, on on the return trip from from a festival in festival in Byron Bay, and yeah. um, and it was just the, the worst conditions to be fishing in. But the friends I was with wanted to do flick some lines in, and and straight off the bridge they were reeling in fish, and I, I just sort of threw something in and ended up getting a fifty on the fork, which was really cool. That's Big pretty fish, good. man. Yeah, just off the side of the road mm. on a three-weight Reddington butter stick too. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> go, go the glass. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That would <laughs> that thing would have let you know it was there for sure. That's uh, And was that in running water too? It was, yeah. It was in a creek sort of just off the escarpment, but um, it was um, it's a really special little spot. And, um, yeah, it was it was just a perfect little scene. And, and he was uh, – the only reason I was able to land it uh, was because he was sort of in a in a little side water and the only way out was over a sort of ankle deep gravel bed so as he went to make the dash out he was kind of flopping around on the side like they do and when oh when yeah sort of, he just walked over the rock and just smacked his head yeah. in and just picked it up yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm like <kidding. laughs> 
<laughs> God, I'm an idiot. Um, but yeah, yeah so, so that's a that's a re- that's interesting. I didn't know this. So that's a that's a creek that they've stocked bass in that doesn't flow to salt water. Is that in the western drainage? Is it that that one was actually a a, a naturally run creek just just down in Bellingen or just near Bellingen, but um. But up on the on the plateau between Ebor and Armadale, there's a couple of spots where they've put bass. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. On the Gyra up, up there, there's a dam. Was it Matlands or Melton or something? Mm. Yeah. Public access. Yeah. Spot there. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Mm. Mm. So I mean, it's it's a it's a surprising place that I think a lot of people kind of get a bit um, surprised about with with there being trout there and, and such good trout too. Um, it helps they've got the hatchery there, but being 1,300 above sea level it, in points, it's it's as high as some of the best stuff in the snowies. And, yep. uh, yeah. It's really cool when you're there too, like it, uh, up on top in the higher spots. Like it, It's like every gully has running water in it, you know, like yeah. it's a small stream and most of those streams have fish in them. It's cool, mm. really yeah. cool. Yeah. Notice the same kind of high country flowers as in the high stuff in the snowies as well, which is cool. Yeah, right. I hadn't noticed that. I haven't been down the snowies. Yeah, flowers, eh? So, um, <laughs> what, um, what, uh, just, just lost my train of thought there. So, have you, have you had a bit to do with the, um, with, uh, the Ebor hatchery and the work those guys do down there? Um, yeah, like, so we'll get to it later, but, the climatization society we we often I've, I've interacted with them before um working up there even um through the climatization society but when i was up there they've got a really cool display where you can go to the hatchery and and they've got the river runs the river runs through it um <laughs> the serpentine yeah. and so they they sort of use that water and um they 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 do a really good job there um big dog and pete and few of those guys there they like it's it's cool you can go there and 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 it's like an excursion they'll show you through and they'll let you feed the fish and and um and they've got tanks with with you know eastern cod and murray cod and and a few other trout cod yeah um they had they haven't had a salmon in there when i was in there last and a tiger trout um there's an albino something i can't remember what it was now albino long fin eel i was about to say is that thing still there yeah, well, it was when I was last there. Yeah, right. Cool. Yeah. Um, Angus, I got a, I got a question, and I, I kind of wonder how many people are going to roll their eyes when I ask this. But what the hell is a climatization society? <laughs> so it's um, it's basically a initiative, or it's 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 another word for a fishing club, really. Um, to get into it in the gritty, it's 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 a sort of a group that that sort of handles the fish in the area so the dpi'll allocate places where you can stock fish and and generally it's for trout in in my experience um we also do a bit with bass and stuff and um but you you get your allocations so in in our area uh, the one that i've been part of for quite some time is the berryman district acclimatization society and and it's just a bunch of guys who get together and and help out with the stocking and and talk about fish and and the conditions around the area and it's really good it's it's again it's kind of like a 
a digital form of, of social media because it's it's a place where where blokes get together or you know blokes and girls we've got quite a few female members and um and all get together and, and ours is actually a really good sort of active one and um, there's a few really good active ones where where you know we'll have um monthly meetings and and presentations from people who have been traveling around and doing things and reports on the area that sort of stuff so yeah it's basically just um small groups put together to to um in our in our case facilitate a introduced species and but um yeah that's it i guess it's acclimatization acclimatizing generally for us into australian waters okay so okay right okay so it's, it yeah it sounds like a cross between a, a fly fishing club and a stocking group right yeah that's that's essentially what it is yeah yeah okay all right so um yeah right i, I i'm is this I, I know this is a dumb question but why the word climatization i guess it's uh um i don't know i don't get it i don't a real doy moment i guess but uh um it's a good question. I, I, you sort of you sort of propped me up to to study that, but um, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> it's all right, mate. It's, uh, it's one of those things where they try and make something sound a bit more professional than than oh, it's a fishing club or or something. But well, I guess it's a, like acclimatizing to a, to an area. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Like it's a yeah. Are you in, are they, are they, do they introduce species to new areas? Is, I mean, are they um, do they drive big planes with like? trout bombing and stuff like that or <laughs> trout bombing. <laughs> no, we we're usually like um well my best mate and I joined up same time as I did, you know, eight or ten years ago sort of thing. Um but we're we're sort of a lot of the times sort of you know going along and, and just stocking places and, and we've been kind of handy because we can run around a little bit, although we've been a little bit less involved in the club lately. But um you know it's I, I kind of forget where I was going with that, but um, yeah, we, we it's it's a it's just sort of like you know like uh, the guys from Dutton will come down and they'll have a a container in a trailer that's mm. cooled and and a bit of oxygen connected up to it, and and then all the fingerlings or fry, depending on what we've been allocated, will be in there, and and we're yep. generally sort of running buckets down and releasing them, and and there'll be a official sort of um count on what goes on and where they're they're put like we're, we're told where to put them and and it's all kind of it takes a long time to get allocations and and you can lose them quite quickly as well so um so i guess the like the clubs will sort of find water they deem to be good water for stocking and then um there'll be a bit of a process and it'll be run past the epa and the dpi and um any other acronyms that might be involved and and yep. then, but, um, so there is yeah. some there is yeah, some right. oversight to it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and it yeah. is lawful. Like they just don't go along and go, you know, oh shit, this stream looks pretty good. You know, there there is some sort of awareness of existing species, any sort of um, environmental sensitivities or or you know endangered organisms, right? Yeah, ab yeah, absolutely. So like um, yeah. around our area. Around the Southern Island, sorry. So it's just an hour and a half south of Sydney. Um, it's really good brown trout water, but we've actually had a lot of brown trout allocations taken away um, because they're deemed to eat more frogs and bigger things, whereas your rainbows tend to sort of focus on more insect life and stuff like that. So 
the justifications will come from wherever they come from and and we work with those but yeah it's it's much more of a kind of brown trout suiting area but but rainbows do well too mm. interesting mate so I mean, i'm going to cha um, change direction a little bit here so you're 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 a guide right now that's is that that's what you yep. do yeah that's what you do like, that's your that's your living yep yep so i um so when trout season's off season, you're just having like um, peak time. Uh, sorry, bit of R and R sort of stuff, or um, do you go chase other species around like that during close season? Oh, it's always different. Um, last winter, I got really tied up. I was driving an excavator doing the bushfire cleanup, which was really fun. Um, you know, <laughs> obviously people go, "Oh, that must have been sad work," sort of, but it was really cool. Like I was in a brand new. 13 and a half tonner and um and it was it was it was really fun kind of like sensitivity to the people that lost their homes and stuff but i was kind of in this beautiful air-conditioned cabin just rolling up um you know old bits of metal and stuff and throwing them in a truck so that that consumed but it was also i was placed in a um really cool trouty area that i hadn't explored so i'd finish work and i'd go looking around and that was cool and then um then this winter i i sort of thought you know COVID's locked everything down and I can't travel around and I've been wanting to, I have, I have a bunch of sea training from, from, um, from when I worked over overseas on boats, but none of it applies here in Australia because we've got different water and, and they seem to think that the British don't know how to sail. So um, I had to get Australian tickets. And so that's what I've been doing this winter is I've got my master 24 and my MED two sorted, which was a huge thing because um, finding the time and, and, all that to to do it has been hard the last i think it was six six to seven years yeah since i've yeah seven years since i got off those boats and and i've always wanted to do it because i've missed out on opportunities like um like a barra guiding job at el questro that i was offered years ago and just just that backup so so yeah to answer the question winters to come will be different yeah 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 man that'd be pretty cool i've fished at el questro it's a wicked place to fish it's awesome um, oh, that's a side. That's a side unit, but uh, yeah, it was fun. Um, cool. Yeah, right. Okay. So, what's uh, where do you go now that the opens openings? Where, where do you hang? Around? What what part? We haven't asked you what what part of the country are you in now? Yeah, so I'm in the Southern Highlands now. So it's um, sort of west of Wollongong, south of Sydney. Mm -hmm. um, little sort of um, yeah, about 900 above sea level here. So. We, we do get those those trout and can drive 40 minutes and catch a flathead too so that's quite cool yep any room uh, sorry yeah don't, don't answer that. <laughs> 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 um yeah it's a really diverse area it's got it's got heaps of different stuff here which is cool um and i'll be here for another few days and and i'm just sort of prepping my, my caravan i bought a caravan when covid started and um i've been doing it up slowly and i lived in it last year down at tumut and i'm just i've just sort of had that year living in it and i've dreamt up all the things i wanted to do and i've renovated it again and so yeah monday tuesday i'll head back down to tumut where where i'll be flat chat till about june nice so mm -hmm. um so i'm guessing you you work with mickey then yeah down there yeah yeah so so yeah so mickey um sort of brought the the rafting thing to the aff palette and um and it's just been amazing like uh i suppose most of my guiding career has been through drought 
which isn't great for trout in marginal waters and it's been pretty hard going and then the the rafting was just awesome way to it's an awesome way to guide it's an awesome way to fish um and and the tumut river is just bulletproof um drought or no drought um so yeah i I really love that and um but yeah working under mickey sort of taught me everything i know about drift boating and um and and yeah it's it's cool i was actually up i'd I'd listened to it earlier the time the podcast you did with him but i listened to it again just to just to um see how that went and um you know he, he sort of touched on the the scene over in montana how you've got a bunch of people like guides and and fishermen and stuff all kind of hanging out around town and things and it's like a little slice of that down at tuma it's a really beautiful um well-to-do kind of town it's got the river running through it and beautiful luscious kind of landscape and um and then it's got something like five or six pubs good Um, pubs right what are are they called mickey was quite impressed with them yeah there's there's plenty of the royal the orient um commercial star there's a brewery there too tumut river brewing company and then there's um there's um three blue ducks have a restaurant at nimbo fork lodge there's a fair bit happening it's really cool like a bit of a live music scene at the brewery and things so it's as far as going you know um you know to a to a new location to 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 live it's been really really cool like that could i I'm oh, sorry, Ross, I'll just go quick on it. Could I sum up Tumit by saying Tumit to me is uh, IPA beers, flannelette shirts and beards? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, it's – I don't think it's quite what <laughs> – Trucker caps, sorry. Yeah, 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 it's just, it's just, you know, a lot of the – a lot of it's agricultural surrounding and um, – and like you know that typical sort of thing where where not many people actually fish although the river's there um or or instead they'll kind of rather than going to the river they'll go up to the dam and fish for like cod in in blowering there's massive cod up there and it's quite a big scene there like there's um this takeaway shop on the main drag into town called trous bait and tackle and and they've got just like you go in and it's got a bay marie full of chico rolls and all that good stuff and then and then there's a whole half of the shop is just all the all the cod fishing gear for for conventional stuff and a live yabby tank and things. It's quite cool. That's pretty cool. Let me ask you the um the dish that um that most Bay Marie's have in Australia that's got a flattened piece of potato that's been deep fried. Scallop. Potato scallop, you say? Yeah. You've just gone to the um we're gonna promote this show way harder now, I think. I guess it could be pretty deep volts. Yeah, yeah. That's our that's our litmus test for guests, mate. Where you call uh, potato scallops or um, give you some sort of heathen and call them potato cakes. Yeah, who <laughs> come up with that? South mm. Australia. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Angus, I got a, I got a question just to rewind on something, mate. You said AFF. You just dropped it in a uh, in a conversation casually. Um, so that's a Aussie fly fisher. That's um, yeah. yeah, the and it's a it's a collective of of guides under um, Josh. Hutchins, um, uh, you know, leadership, I guess, and it's got, um, you know, guides in a number of locations and, and operations in Australia, correct? Yeah. Yeah, right. How, how do you find Josh? Like, you know... Um, yeah, just, pretend like we're not recording. Just tell us everything. Just tell us everything because, look, I'll, I'll ask a leading question. I, I want you to come back, mm-hmm. but I've got a friend and he thinks that, that Josh looks like... Uh, uh, Dwight Schroeder from the uh, from the office. 
Yeah. <laughs> you think that's fair? I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen the Dwight Schroeder, but but I'll have to. I, mean, I know I know who you're talking about. I'll have to like put the faces together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's I think it's a bit of a reach, you know, personally. But um, yeah. but I can see what I can see what your friend's doing there, Belts, for sure. <laughs> Dwight, um, yeah. I, I've got to yeah, like uh, I mean, he's he's um he's a I suppose one of the main things about him is he's he's a doer. Like he gets things done. Um. Uh, it's it's sort of one of my downfalls is I'll have a bunch of great ideas and and by the time I've sort of figured out what that idea is I'm already on to another thing that's the problem with having crazy ADHD but um, but Josh just seems to execute things well um, yeah. And, yeah and 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 timing is you know he's very organised and. Um, yeah, he's just he, he really gets it done. So that's that's quite a um, good thing to accompany my fact that I can't <laughs> quite. <laughs> um, he, he's very patient, I suppose, as well. Like, I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm just blowing wind up. Um, <laughs> but, and he gives he gives promotions every now and then. I hear and uh, pay rises. Yeah, yeah. listing job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you ever see like Mickey leaning over the side of the boat and go, just one kick and I could be the boss? <laughs> I would not. Gee, that's dark, battle. man. We've got, we've got people doing we've got people doing specific jobs in a, in Aussie fly fishing, and, and um, there's particular jobs that I I don't want to be doing, like uh, like the admin and answering the emails. We've now got a six foot eight, five karate styles black belt handling that stuff. And Ooh. none of that was an exaggeration, too. He's literally six foot eight and 140 odd kilo. Uh, um, is his name Valti? <laughs> your dimensions, right? I'm, I'm six, I don't know if you've seen this. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. The black belt yeah. and red tips. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Does, yeah, uh, so does, any, does anybody of the guides mow Josh's lawn during the off season? I think actually <laughs> Max used to. Did he? Yeah. No, that, no, there's nothing wrong with that, mate. Nothing like no. a bit of hard work. Max, mate. the apprentice. No, he came on. He was yeah, I suppose so. Like he came on and he was doing. He did a couple of seasons with us, but he he decided that um, he needed a bit more money, and he just got married too. So he um, not to say there's no money in it, but it is a hard slog, especially if you're getting married and stuff. But um, you know, get you you do have um, breaks between bookings and things, and yeah, yeah, and that, and that car's not going to wash itself. Hey, Max. Mm. <laughs> 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 Do you reckon Josh would just be like, car, wash it, throw the keys, or um, yeah. he'd be, he'd say, please wash the car, please. Oh no, to be pretty forceful with Max, I think. Yeah, Max. a lot of pleases. How many times have I asked you to do this? You didn't say anything, Josh. You should be reading my mind now, Max. Come on, that's that sort of level. <laughs> but <laughs> I actually saw a funny one on on Facebook last night. Was someone said? Hey, on one of his posts, how, how are you? How are you fishing in a lockdown? And he he wrote back, generally with a four weight and a dry fly. <laughs> <laughs> well answered though. You know, it's a it's a it's a work event. You know, going fishing and stuff when it is your job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, perks. Yep, pretty much, <laughs> mate. I've tried to argue that as well by being a fishing shop owner, but I haven't had to um, contest it yet. I figured that would be my argument, but I've been staying home through it anyway. Yeah. Which is really, yeah. really a depressing end to that story. But 
<laughs> it's funny we're talking about um about um it's it's sort of like everything's lined up really well um with with covid lockdowns and openings and things like last season just as as trout season was about to open the veil lifted and everyone was allowed to travel and we had you know seven days a week guiding right through the season and then just as trout season closed that sydney wave hit and everything shut down and then and then it's just lifting like a little magic veil right now and we're about to have another buster season and and i don't know whether it's because politicians love fly fishing or or we're just got got the man on our side or something but yeah it's been a funny coincidence huh hmm it's almost like there's a connection between josh and the prime minister pretty <laughs> weird how did you get in how did you get hold of um um working with working with josh in the first place mate um yeah just just uh my mate um tom he he saw it on instagram the aussie fly fishing and aussie fly fisher and and then we we booked in and um we actually went along and did a thing called next steps which is a course that he'd started up and so we went along on that and then we booked another few days after that i was working full-time for my dad at his machinery hire company and and so every chance we got we'd sort of go down and then um yeah, one one day I, th I think he actually offered the job to Tom before me, but I don't think Tom even would have said that. But um, he he's also got a lot going for him, so he didn't take it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, just one day out of the blue, I guess Josh called and said, um, you know, he's got a baby coming along and would have liked to help out and do a bit of guiding and and yeah, just sort of jumped at that because because it sounded really cool. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, what a, what a great opportunity, and it's um, and it's taking you to some places, yeah. Like uh, I was when I was speaking to you yesterday, telling me that, you know, you, you've done a bit of travelling under AFF as as far as New Zealand as well, um, and yeah. and around Australia. Tell us about some yeah. of the stuff in New Zealand. Oh, New Zealand's really cool. Um, it's so I guess when when we do these trips, we're not guiding; we're sort of like hosts. So, um, and and I've got to make that very clear because New Zealand's generally not very happy about Australian guides going over and guiding I've picked up, but um, we sort of go along and facilitate. So we get local guides and, um, and, and sort of, yeah, stand around, make sandwiches, make sure everyone's accommodation's cool. And, and um, you know, it might be organizing, you know, if baggage gets lost, sort of sorting that out so that the clients can just, they don't have to worry about that sort of stuff. Like a guardian um, angel on the trip. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> And um, and so yeah, the the trips that I was doing in New Zealand were um, split kingfish and and trout. So we'd do on the North Island. It was um, Tauranga, and and we'd do a bit of flats fishing around there. Um, and then we'd uh, head up into the mountains and and do some heli fishing for trout. And it was just really cool. We we seem to really get really lucky with our trips there and, and get lots of really big rainbows up in in just streams well, rivers like the proper rivers over there where where you we like you just couldn't imagine the density there was there was one day going up that the two clients that we had on the trip had caught that many sort of eight pound sort of fish that they, they were like, oh, we've had enough of this. Do you want to have a go? And I was like, oh, well, I'll take that. So I got to actually have a have a go myself, and that's just a, a bonus of those kind of hosted trips. But um, it's it's really cool, like the 
the heli fishing over there was something that I wouldn't get to do just on my own budget. So I guess perks of perks of work is is getting to do those kind of experiences and and sort of pay my way as I go rather and and I get just as much joy out of out of taking photos and and joining in the banter and being net man and that sort of stuff. So oh. yeah, really cool. <clears throat> That's pretty cool, mate. It must be um, it must be great to head over to um, I mean, the fishing is phenomenal in New Zealand. Everyone everyone knows that it's world class. It's, well, it's known around the world, not just across the ditch here. Um, so the opportunity to do that sort of stuff must be must have been incredible. I can't help but think that um, you know, so far we've learned that you you like these uh, you know, like these these roads less travelled, moving into the to the beaten tracks. And as an Australian that's probably grown up doing that. To head to New Zealand and not have to watch for for uh, what you stand on must have been pretty pretty much a relief, right? Oh yeah, I, I seem to be a magnet for those guys, and 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 actually, um, it was wasn't a hosted trip, but I got over there and, and met up with a guy who I'd never met before off, off Instagram, and and he picked me up from the airport, um, Matt Jones, and 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 the first thing I did when we when we stopped the car was went and jumped through all the long grass, and <laughs> it's just yeah. I can understand that. I can definitely understand that. It'd be awesome. Just to be so, it'd be so weird, man. It'd be like, it'd be like, yeah, like, like, like walking along the edge of the building after having a fear of heights, knowing that you're not going to fall or something, you know? Yeah. Oh, and I still get it over there. I'll be sort of like really hesitant going into some long grass. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. There's no snakes here. <laughs> <laughs> or spiders or nothing. Yeah. Well, there's one, there's one spider in there's like a really large spider or something like that I hear, but uh, it's yes, non venomous. <laughs> Probably tastes like blueberries or something. <laughs> <laughs> the spiders taste like snozberries. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, that's interesting, man. It's, uh, do you, you um, I always like asking this for people who like to travel remote, like in, in Australia, have you had many encounters with danger noodles over here? Yeah, like I said, a bit of a magnet with them. Um, but, you know, considering the, the amount of time I spend crawling around in in snaky areas like because they love being next to the water uh, you, you come across not not that many last season was particularly snaky whether it was just that i noticed more i have this theory that if you're not, not seeing them they're just tucked under a rock or something it's not a theory it's true mm. uh, they're pretty good at hiding but um yeah lots of lots of encounters and and it sort of pushed me to study them a little bit more and find out a bit more about them and how dangerous it is and what can be done to prevent it and things so i'm, I'm pretty confident now like it's um after seeing St steve Irwin sort of put his face down next to some corrugated iron and lift up a bit of tin on a farm and there's a tiger snake staring straight at his eyes you know they're they're, they're not what you think i guess um they take a bit of agitating to get a strike out of them generally and um you know i tread on plenty and you'll feel them under your boots and everything um mm. and i've had them sort of striking at my boots and um that sort of thing um i got ankle tapped by one running back to get a camera when we were filming a segment with rob paxavanis and um and that put the wind up me pretty bad mm. but yeah plenty of encounters it's funny you should say i mean i didn't I didn't know this conversation because I like hearing these stories, and I know that um, I know there's plenty of people overseas that that um, that like you know, like I might said to you that think that all you need to do is get off the plane in Australia and it's just you're parting snakes out of the way; they're everywhere. But um, it's it's 
Yeah, it's the education of understanding the mate that uh, that um, that makes that makes walking around in the bush a lot easier. That's for sure. Because, like you said, they're not they're not out to get you. They're they're not coming from you know ten meters away to to you know grab you on the jugular. You know that's yeah, for sure. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No, they're, they're sort of just minding their own business. And um, and one thing that I'd heard a lot of from from people about about snakes and and um, was that if you're walking in a group of people you know a lot of the times people will be like oh you go first so that you cop the snakes well actually it's generally the second person or the third person in line who's going to cop it because the snake's been woken up by the first one the second one might have agitated a bit and the third one's gonna you know be the most likely one to get the strike and and you step over so many the amount of times i've had someone say oh there's a snake and, and i've already stepped right over him and that sort of thing mm. but um, you know that's, that's funny you say like uh, that's happened to me i mean not every day, but it has happened to me more than a couple of times. And I, one thing I've noticed with that, like that, when I look back on, it, is it I've never stepped over a lizard that's never got out of the way. You know, never, it's never like being like, oh, there's a goanna between your feet right now. You know, it's it's always a stupid bloody snake. Yeah. <laughs> what is the deal with that? You know, right, so I know they don't have legs, but they're still pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, they say they seem pretty like relaxed with that first pass. I suppose the amount of times it happens is is crazy and but um yeah i'm not i'm not sure what it is i suppose they see plenty of things walking around whether it's you know i suppose australia they're not programmed to see horses and deer and things but they'd see plenty of things walking past and they probably think if i lay here and don't move they're not going to see me and then if they see something else come past they go oh you know the jig's up and they might strike or, or a lot of times with tiger snakes which is what we deal with primarily in the snowies is um they're, they're super quick and strong and and when they take off it's like a, a hoof hitting the ground it's a real heavy thud um so often you'll sort of hear that thud and and you sort of stop for a bit and check that you haven't been pierced or anything but um but yeah i guess back to it like that like you're saying the, the sort of understanding and the knowledge of them like um can can be a very powerful tool and, and being properly prepared as well mm. uh, you know not wearing just like wearing pants is a huge protection um because they're not hypodermic fangs you know a lot of the times it's it takes a strike to open the skin and 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 then the venom's projected to to the fangs so if you've got pants on that'll stop like i'm i'm really confident with with um a particular pair of pants i wear that is that's quite thick and they're good for walking and wading and all that sort of stuff but um just yeah. jump in here, mate. You you mentioned twice here that you prefer to wear pants. Is is yeah. there occasions where you don't? <laughs> <laughs> That's where I was going to. <laughs> I found it really interesting that there is people that are in danger because they go fishing without pants on. Yeah. So when when <laughs> walking through these high density snake areas with board shorts on and done oh. thing oh, with go. you guys, but. Man, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think about it twice. Wearing long yeah. pants, even if it's sweltering hot, I'm in, in pants. Sometimes two pairs. Yeah, yeah. the old dong dong fly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they feel threatened around most people. I suppose that's why you get away with it. Eh? Yeah, so, so what you're saying is, if you walk around carrying a snake, that snakes are less likely to feel threatened. Is that what the anyway? Depends how big the snake is, I guess. I guess it depends on it's summer or winter too, I suppose. But um, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of variables with walking around the Australian bush. That's for sure. Yeah. 
So, and I guess it pays to research them all. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Might be a bit uncomfortable for you guys, but on a serious note, um, like, you know, back to that preparation, um, like, no one with Aussie fly fisher goes on any trip without an EPA, like a PLB, you know, just the little, so it's the size of a deck of cards and it fits in your bag and, and you just test it before you go out on any trip. And, and if you get bitten, the best thing to do is just sit still, not move your lymphatic system and, and set that thing off and, Mm-hmm. and so that's a huge one I, I just don't go you know more than 20 meters from my car without it now just for i don't want to die an embarrassing death you know i don't want to be like oh r.i.p angus he was so close to home but just couldn't get back for whatever reason or, or you know he like had to pants. Yep. Off because <laughs> yeah. Got caught up. Had no pants on yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. it was a tourniquet <laughs> angus with with that <laughs> The medical advice seems to to get revised fairly regularly. You know, there's still people who who are out there that think you should uh, um, you need to kill the snake for a venom ID. Um, mm-hmm. There's there's people who uh, still believe you need to um, suck the poison out of the wound. That's true. Yeah, can you comment on the efficacy of both of those comments? Yeah. And, no, and both of them. Yeah, the majority of snake-related cases in hospitals are from people trying to kill the snake or, or, yep. or interact with it in any way. Um, so it's unnecessary, right? They, they can... You're saying two different things. Volsi's saying that, that, like, there's an old mentality that you need to 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 understand what the antivenin to administer. You need to mm. ID the snake, and people will kill it and think that you need to bring it in with you. That's what some people. That was a general consensus. Yeah. Um, but you're talking about that when people see one at their house and, and try to kill it, there's that interaction that, you know, like they usually come off second best and that's the yeah. majority of snake bites. Right. Yeah. No, I suppose, I suppose, um, trying to, trying to kill the snake could, could just sort of pump your lymphatic system a bit more. And, and that's like, if you can ID it, I suppose that's a, that's a pretty big plus, but you don't need to these days. No, hospitals aren't carrying, um, anti-venine anymore as I understand, because it was such a hard process to obtain it and to store it and it's got a short shelf life so um what they're actually doing is is again reverting back to what the um aboriginals used to do and that's just stay still so now if you're if you're done with by a snake you generally put on in a in a dark room and put on a drip and and just kept very still and they'll monitor your vital signs and things like that but yeah less and less are they sort of using anti-venines anymore it, wow. it, and when when they do have it, it I believe that it's it's um one antivenin that that um that um, caters for all. Now I'm not sure if that that applies to the inland taipan. I think that might be the I, I could be really wrong there, but it was it was something along, it's something along those lines that it's not it's not specific to um each individual snake. So it's not like they've got like um 15 different antivenins. Yeah, yeah, it's something like that. But I, I believe that's yeah you know, like what you said there in regards because that's a that's another misconception, isn't it? Like at um, that, you know, once you're bitten, you're stuffed. But like you could, you could like completely still, no matter how hard your heart's pumping, it's mm. it's your lymphatic system that 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 um pushes it around. And that's yeah. that's that's the problem. It's not it's not your bloodstream. It's, yeah. uh, you know, there's um there's footage of people that 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 ingest it. You know, just to to talk about how bitter it is. I've seen a documentary of that because it's going through your digestive tract. It's not actually entering your lymphatic system. It's not doing anything. It's pretty Absolutely. interesting, eh? It really is. Yeah. It's um the, the way that it works. Yeah, as long as you don't have a stomach ulcer, I guess. 
There's <laughs> always a caveat for sure. It's, well, uh, yeah. yeah, that's it. Or a hemorrhoid or something on the way out. Maybe I don't know. Uh, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, yeah. We we got to we got to consider all angles, mate. We're a public announcement service. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah. I was talking to a guy in Tumut who who caught a um, juvenile brown snake and put it in his meat closet. You know, so it's got the um, the mesh gauze on it. You know, it's quite an old school thing, these meat cl closets, but it's basically just a box with mesh gauze on it. And he was sort of taunting the snake and, and it was rearing up at the um, gauze. And then he was scratching something later on the back of his neck. And it, so it's obviously transferred from the tapping the gauze um, where the venom had been released. And then he was scratching something on the back of his neck. And, and he sort of all of a sudden just got hot flushes and, and started sort of um, tripping out and, and all this, and um, and yeah, it turned out that he'd get been been venomized by the by the snake just through that process. So venomated, yeah. venomated. It reminds me of an episode of The Simpsons when um, when Homer Simpson started went to that that church of snakes and just started tripping balls, something like that. I imagine, right? <laughs> and playing Barry White. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's pretty gripping stuff. So, so how how badly did you get tagged when you when you got done with uh, Rob Paxavanis? Oh, that was that that all happened pretty quickly. I was sort of doing everything wrong as far as snake things go. I was I was running and I hurtled over a log, and it was as my foot was coming up. So I landed my foot over the other side of the log, and as it was coming up, the snake came out from under the log and ankle tapped me, and I sort of hit the back of my foot onto my other foot and sort of stumbled over and turned around and there it was just nestled under the log. Um, so I kept running and got the camera and ran back to them and told them what happened. And they were like, holy crap. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it was all systems go because we just landed a really good fish. So that kind of overpowered the fear of that. But um, I did have <laughs> other one and it's the only time that I've been with someone, and, and in this case it was myself, um, who's been actually hit and, and visible signs of the strike. And I got... I got out of um, out of the boat and I walked not very far from the from the boat and I was I was sort of um, ducking off into the bush to evacuate and um, and I felt this massive shock on my knee like a, like a, kind of like an electric fence and and at first the reaction was like oh you know like the jolted away and sort of what was that and i was looking around there was no fences and there was just you know a bit of tall grass and i was like oh it was a snake and i sort of did a bit of a loop and and then i thought you know that that thing about identifying it so i sort of peered around and then i saw the tail and it was jet black but tiger snakes will be all sort like if you look up the different variations what they look like it's so there's hundreds of different variations of what they can look like so but yeah just yeah. judging by the the force of the strike and how quick it retracted i was certain it was a tiger um but it had actually gone through neoprene socks and my pants so i wasn't too worried and we were quite close to town and again having that epurb so i just sat down and the people i was with i i, I sort of talked them through the the symptoms and and the processes and that sort of thing and we just sat there for uh, half an hour or so and 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 just sort of waited and so, just you know kept an eye on things had a bit of a chat and and cup of tea and that sort of thing and and then it's decided it will right to get going and um i mean i'm not going to give advice on whether that was the right thing to do to keep going or not but i was totally fine so um yeah dry strike i guess um you know 
I've got great confidence in this. Having pants on is like a really big factor. So yeah. Can can I ask something there, Angus? Like, I mean, for sure, man. I realize you don't want that story to be like uh, perceived by anyone as um, you know, as as a first aid story on on how to deal with that scenario. I'm sure the best advice anyone can give, if there's any doubt, seek medical attention as soon as possible, yeah. for sure. But I'm really interested to know what you know. I'm sure some of the conversation would have been about snake. But what else do you talk about in that half an hour while you're waiting? Did, like Netflix or something like that, or? <laughs> Well, it was keeping calm. They were, they were really cool about it all. And, um, you know, they were sort of more worried about me than I was about getting on with the day of fishing. Um, but, yeah, just, just sort of sat there and kept calm and, and I didn't start sweating or, or anything like that. And I guess obviously you've got to pump your lymphatic system to really find out. But, again, yeah. had EPIRB and just great confidence in, 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 the, in the EPIRB and the proximity of town. You know, if I was up in the middle of the – Jigungal wilderness up at the top of um the snowies there and and miles from anywhere then it'd probably be a different case i would have probably set the thing off because there was a fang mark in my in my shin in my, in my just below my knee and um and that sort of thing but i suppose that's that's sort of yeah just just uh considering where we were and that sort of thing i mean that was the decision i made on the at the time and and again, if it was a client who'd been hit like that, it would have been a totally different thing. And and just my duty of care would have been to, you know, call the day and go and get it checked out. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the other thing. You know, you you can have your EPIRB and all this sort of stuff, but the 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 snakes are everywhere in Australia, and it's just a it's just a fact. It's like if you surf, there's going to be sharks and things, and just just knowledge about it, and 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 they're there. So you can prepare for it. You can have your EPIRB and you can have a, you know, fishing friends with you when you're in remote places and your snake bite kits are a great thing. I don't know if you've seen them, how they've got the kind of oblong shaped circle on it. And then you, you stretch it and it went, and when it becomes a perfect circle, that's the right tension to apply to the, to the wound. And Oh, I haven't seen that. That's cool. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Right. Really cool idea because there's a, there's a particular, you can have it too tight and you can have it too loose to be effective um and also the processes of of treating a snake bite is is you you start on the snake bite which was against what i thought i thought you'd start up well above the snake bite and work your way down but you start on the bite and and then you work up a little and down a little and yeah so so being aware of that sort of stuff and um you know if if you want to if you want to go fishing anywhere in australia you're in snake territory Mm. Uh, just like if you're in Alaska, you've got bears. If you're in New Zealand, you've got sand flies. And, and I'll tell you, I'd, I'd, a lot of times I'm like, oh, I can't wait to get back to Australia where we don't have – I mean, you've got them up there, but, yeah, sand flies are horrible. <laughs> That's funny, eh? In Australia, we've got snakes. In Alaska, we've got bears. In New Zealand, sand flies. <laughs> sand flies. Yeah. Rawr, sand yeah. flies. Yeah. Sand, you, yeah. Tell me, um, Angus, is there anything you're, you're scared of in Tasmania? No. Is is that a loaded question? <laughs> I thought we lost you for a second. I'm like, oh, he's gone. That's the, he's that's gone. the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't really comment too much because I haven't been to Tassie. Oh, well, there, yeah, there that's, you go. That, that's probably the yeah. safest thing to say, really, at the end of the day. I don't yeah. even know where he's going, mate. But I'm sure he's somewhere. Still, still with us. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to burn bridges before I get there. <laughs> <laughs> like, like we have. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, no, it's it's all good. We're, we'll be safe down there. We've got, we've the got vilification continues. Yeah. Lost, mate. Hey, um, Angus, I, 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 I learnt a little something that um that you've wor- also worked in the Seychelles, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Can you can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. So um, yeah. Prior to um, it was it was sort of after I finished um, uni, I I went and worked on super yachts and things in the south of France, and I did that for a few years. And then a mate that I'd met doing that was the dive master on a um, sixty meter private explorer yacht that was solely set up for fly fishing. So it was it, it cost this it was it cost twelve million US a year to keep it floating. This thing was huge, big steel vessel with all the bells and whistles and had um, bunk beds sort of set up for um, the skiffs and and industrial cranes that lifted them on and off. And it actually had a 32-foot flybridge cat that lifted on and off the boat as well as a six-metre Navy jet or it was – and, yeah, and and, um, like inflatable and a a smaller cat as well. So they were the boats and then then it had – the transom was like – there, there were drawers that you'd pull out and it would have hundreds of all the flies in all the sizes and, and, and big fly benches and these drawers were, you know, really long drawers and then you'd pull out another drawer and it'd be, um, you know, um, G. Loomis rods with T-ball reels and the, the reels would have, you know, Todd and Jody and, and, then the, and then crew, like there were reels and rods set up for the crew that had crew engraved on it and... Um, and then the roof was lined with, you know, all the deep sea gear and, and like, you know, um, all the Shimano, uh, what are those those big reels, the Tiagras. Tiagras, yeah. Yeah, and all that sort of stuff. We did a lot of jigging and stuff. They had a lot of jigging things and um, enough dive gear for 20 people to go out at once. Um, so it was, yeah, and, and, like, the saloon was cool. It had original Darwin drawings and, like, recreated extinct skeletons and things. It was really severe boat. Um, which is now owned by Andrew Forrest, actually, I saw. Oh, really? Twiggy? Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, he bought it um, to to eighties marine biology course, I think it is, PhD or something. So um, what was the pants policy on, side, on this boat? <laughs> no snakes, so pants were optional? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just sea snakes. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> most venomous kind, I guess. Yeah. No, it was um, yeah, no loose pants. <laughs> they're re- they're rear fanged the sea the sea snakes. You don't have to worry about them so much. Hey, um, just the um, uh, the other big question regarding the uh, any big boat in the in the Seychelles. Did it have much anti piracy sort of um, like uh, de- pirate deterrence? Yeah, like yeah, we still yeah. Boats that were certainly pirates jetting out of little atolls and um, or like little islands and things like that. But I'll, I'll never forget when I was um, when I first joined the boat. We were sort of at, at the dock there in the Seychelles, and um, we we're, were waiting because you have to have armed guards on the boat, uh-huh. and uh, and you have to have you know a couple of the local armed guards, and we also had two um, British special forces guys and and they came perfectly on time and they were you know short back and sides and and quite you know beefy blokes with these pelican cases and and they were obviously full of guns and things and they were very legit and they walked on and sort of nodded and 
salute style sort of thing and we were waiting around for ages for the local guys to rock up and then there's these two guys playing hacky sack on the end of the dock with AK-47s leaning against the shore power connections and and we're like, hey, are you meant to be on the boat? And so they picked up their stuff and came on and and like the, you know, at one time I was, I was just cleaning around on the top of the boat and went into one of the bathrooms and there was these two AK-47s just leaning against the toilet and I was like, oh, you know, but yeah, we had to have, had to have, there was a presence there for sure. That'd be pretty surreal, eh, when you don't, when you don't grow up around them and see them commonly, eh, like just the, the realism of, um, of, of that life, eh, it'd be pretty gnarly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, mate. So it's, um, so... Okay, that's that's pretty cool. What about the uh, the fishing over there? Did you get to experience much of the fly fishing uh, on that boat, or was it was yeah. was yeah yeah yeah? Uh, so the, the owner of the boat at the time was pretty avid about getting out in the water a lot. Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. That you know when they were on, it was they they would go from sun up to sun down and um and fished hard like uh, the um, girlfriend of the guy who owned the boat. She was setting records left right and center and um like we'd we'd be able to go out and pole around for them especially on or more so on the exploratory stuff getting ready for them coming out because he'd he'd bring out all these you know special guides and everything he'd fly guides out to it and stuff and that's where i first saw people doing that and that's also what really made me think this is this is the job you know I i was going down the skipper's path and and thought no way this is even cooler um but yeah, so so we'd get to go out and pole around for the guides and learn a lot off them, and um, we were, we were really lucky to get to go to some places where you you know world heritage areas because because we'd sort of um, he, he'd also um, do sort of deals where where he'd put up um, people to do scientific research, so we'd get scientific researchers coming out for a couple of weeks, and we'd look after them and take them around, and then and then we'd sort of get to go to some pretty amazing spots because of that. Um, so a lot of even people who live in the Seychelles guiding and stuff are quite jealous of some of the places we got to go. Wow, that's pretty epic, eh? Mm. Yeah. Did you ever see a GTE a bird? <laughs> I never did, no. <laughs> but, but there was one night where there was all these um, freshly hatched turtles swimming out and, and getting amongst the um, down lights off the bottom of the boat and, and we were all out there watching it and then, yeah, some GTs rocked up and all the stewardesses on the boat were beside themselves trying to sort of trap them, like catch them and save them and things and uh, that's nature. Yeah. yeah that's wow. Right. Yeah, so the bosses just came in and just 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 started taking out turtles, huh? Mm. I think how many props they saved. <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've heard Permit get into them. Uh, get into the hatchling turtles too at times, eh? Really? Yeah, yeah no, legit. They're like crunchy meat pies to them. They just get <laughs> right in. Yeah, yeah. They were pretty woeful these little turtles, but mm. Mm. right. Well, that's that's. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, that's just nature at work, isn't it? Really? It's uh, yeah. It's we just... got to see a lot of cool stuff, like um, sort of a um seven foot lemon shark landed one day by by jody on some really light gear and i'm pretty sure that went down as a record mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they were really into their their billfish as well so they'll they'll um you know teasing up billfish on the skiffs and and fishing those so that we had 16 weight loomises on there big like they were you couldn't bend the things um but a lot of, a lot of like specialty gear for that heavy stuff which 
still doesn't really appeal to me. Any anything like that, I, I feel like it's it doesn't appeal to me. But the, all the small stuff like the triggers and the bonefish and the trevally and that sort of stuff was really cool. Mm. Yeah, man, that that would have been a, a fantastic experience, that's for sure. So, like um, Volti was asking earlier on with the with the pirate activity, were you around that in the in the peak pirate activity time? Were you like so? This is when the um, some of the more famous fly fishing outfitters in that area would have been closed for business, I'd imagine, right? It was pretty up there. What was it? Two thousand and fifteen, sort of time. That's so pretty much peak time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a real presence, like, like, because the boat that we were on, um, it it looks like it's built for war, and these two industrial cranes on the front look like cannons, um, and and yeah, we'd see little skiffs just going hell bent in in the opposite direction and things, so they were out there. Yeah, wow, pretty pretty wild, that's for sure. Yeah, so, I think we had um, when we had Yako Lucas on, like he, you know, he, he spent a bit of time over there guiding as well. He was saying that he got off the um the the ship that they were operating on before it got like uh, uh, within an hour or something like that you know before it got um hijacked by pirates or something he missed it by about an hour or something so yeah, oh. yeah. so you know like your you, you, your luck could have changed pretty quickly in, in an operation like that yeah those guys sounded pretty set up like they probably could have gone on the boat and gone go away quickly or i'll hit you with a large sum of money but um you know <laughs> that's i guess that's what they're up there for as well <laughs> yeah yeah, I guess you never really know how it's going to go. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, mate, it all adds up to life experience, doesn't it? That's um, you've you've definitely um, definitely uh, yeah, lived lived a lived a life of um of adventure, mate, for for sure. With, yeah. with just what we've learnt tonight. Always been on the go a bit. Um, we've also done one of probably yeah, it's got to be my favourite um trip of all is is um Mongolia. Mm-hmm. That was that was amazing and um. Like, you know, fishing aside, it was just such a crazy cultural experience. They're, they're really unique, the people there. And, um, and What's and the food like, mate? Food was cool. I really liked it. It was, yeah. it was hard to find legit Mongolian food, actually. There was, there was quite a big, like, um, in, in the main city where, where we spent a little bit of time composing ourselves before heading into the mountains, I was, yeah. I was actually hunting around to try and find some. I couldn't actually find any. It was... There's a really big Korean influence there, and they kind of, well, wow. uh, you know, really base themselves on Korean, I guess. And and there was there was everything except like traditional Mongolian. I'm sure it's like there in Ulaanbaatar, the main city, but uh, yeah. it was hard to find. Mm, yeah. You probably have to find a Chinese takeaway there to find Mongolian lamb or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. So. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, legit. But, like, uh, so the fishing there, I'll, I'll save you here, man. Fishing there is obviously based around uh, the time, and oh, um, <laughs> but there, um, <laughs> there, uh, there's also some really good Lennox fishing and grayling as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're pretty well aware of what goes on there. But I, yeah, like definitely the the peripheral fishing was so cool, like pike in the slow water, and the the Lennox and the grayling was like they were all all those species were were you know new to me, so that was like four ticked in one trip was was pretty cool. Plus one of the guys who was with us got a, a you know, a, a 50 inch, which is kind of like that holy grail and, yeah. Wow, wow. They get a different species of pike there too, don't they? The Amir pike or something like that's got pike, spots yeah. on it. Yeah, moor pike. Yeah, right. 
Did they fight I, any I better? Know. I'm going to have to Google that. I don't know if they fight any better. The only one that I caught, I actually netted with my net. Like oh. a butterfly net or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I threw a bunch of flies at him and he didn't react to it. And he was right next to the bank. So I actually just went up next to him. And it was huge too. I've posted on my Instagram like I caught him. Um, so I held him in this big hero shot. But, but yeah, it was just netted. But it was a mighty big fish, eh? Oh, they're yeah. pretty fish. I just bring up images of it now. They're nice. Mm. Nice looking animal. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Pretty cool. How big do they get? Like 30 pound plus, like, yeah. Jeepers creepers, man. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, and they're just nice kind of, looking animal. They're kind of like a, a bit a bit like cod in the way. They're kind of like, you know, generally slow moving until the, the time is right and um and they're an ambush and they and they're also a bit of a scavenger. Like they, they'll they'll pick up dead things, they're not above that and so, so you've got like generally the, the the rivers run hard and fast, and um, the taimen will be out in that, and the lenick and the grayling in 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 um, in sort of shallower waters generally, and the, and then and then um, and then the pike hang out in all the in the in the slow little tarns and and side waters and that. So, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I remember driving along at one point and um, and like off in the distance, got heard a couple of shaky stories about like um, interactions with with russians and stuff and and we we're driving along and there was these two um dark figures off in the distance it looked like they were in trench coats standing next to the river and i was like oh no like what's going to go on here and we got closer and closer and then and then i realized that they were vultures and these things were like standing like you know, i don't know five six feet tall and just like as we got close they started to do that kind of like off the lion king kind of jumping around flapping the arms and and then and then they took off and they were huge it's just so cool to see all the eagles and the wild horses and stuff too that someone on the trip said that it was like what montana would be like if no one ever went there <laughs> wow that's yeah, so that was cool yeah. yeah yeah that's pretty cool i think um when we had josh on the show he talked about an interaction between russian soldiers and uh, the mongolian guides which was a pretty right, so that was the story i was referring to yeah oh were you with him there were you no i wasn't that was the year before i went along and um and yeah sounded pretty hairy eh? yeah that sounded pretty gnarly that's for sure but um yeah sounds like it, like it wouldn't matter how loud you screamed there doesn't matter how thick your pants are no mate <laughs> you probably it probably would be more of a deterrent to not be wearing any in that scenario potentially <laughs> who knows mate it's worth trying anything in, in the face of danger <laughs> yeah well the, the head guy who organized all the stuff in the particular camp that we were at um, Ghana, he was pretty serious, and and I think he had a bit to do with the the returnal of the gear. And I know returnal is not a real word, but the, yeah, it the can gear. be on the intermediate line for sure. I, I make yeah. up words all the time. Returnal yeah. is cool. Yeah. I allow returnal. it. Returnal, returnal. But um, but it was cool. Like returnal um, instinct, of course. We do, do the little um <laughs> trip there with them, and then when the very short season that they have for time and closed, he'd go off and hunt wolves. Oh wow. With yeah. eagles? What are you doing after this? Like, oh, hunting wolves. Did he, like, did he use golden <laughs> eagles, trained golden eagles to run those wolves down? Have you seen that? Yeah, I don't know. I've seen that, yeah. Rifle guy, but yeah, that it's so cool, that hunt, hunting with birds. Yeah, right. Actually, yeah, a mate yeah. of mine just moved up to Darwin, and he's just a little side, but he's he's doing something to do with pest control using birds because he's a falcon trainer. Right. Hmm. Falcon and trainer, like, like I've... That nah, can't possibly be like Star Trek, right? Not Vulcans like that, right? <laughs> no, no. 
<laughs> no, 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 like uh, Falcon, Falcon trainer. Yeah. Oh, like oh okay. Falcon. Sorry, yeah. I heard I heard it incorrectly. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll just uh, let, let me let me return all my my statement there uh, and pretend I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that word, Angus. It's it's pretty cool. I'm going to say it a few times. Yeah, returnal. Mm. Yeah, yeah ret- returnative. Yeah, another <laughs> version of. We were. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mate, yeah, I mean, you just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, you know, like uh, talking about Mongolia on top of all the other stuff. It's um, you know, I, I compound what I said originally. That you you led a, a, an adventurous life, mate. So far, that's for sure. But mm. um. What's uh, what's what's on the uh, radar into the future, mate? What's uh, what's on the um, on the work bucket list at, at least with with the guiding? Oh, I'd love to get up north and do some of the stuff up there. Yep. Um, and, and having that Master Twenty Four is going to open that up. The the skipper's ticket. Um, yeah, Josh, we'll... you listening, mate? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard he's throwing boats yep. around. Um, but um, as as far as bucket lists go, like I've got a a real um jones to go and try and get one of those bull trout like the the big char over there in um you know british columbia and all up in northern america's the bull trout they look really cool and um and dorado i'd love to do dorado Same here um, in argentina yeah yeah Bolivia. I was actually, yeah in line to do that and then and then the world fell a bit so might come up oh man well well, I hear Armageddon has been pushed back, mate, so I'm sure you'll have the opportunity. Um, yeah, it'll be good. Mm. Good to see you and follow your journey, mate, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, champ, um, the thing is, we're on an hour and 20, and if we let this go organically, we'll go for another hour and 20. And um, I'm really at a loss to have anything outro to say that's not cliche, so I'm going to pass it over to my co-host, Voltsy, to... Um, to see if he wants to wrap this puppy up. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's been um, it's been a journey, mate. Listening to you to tell us about uh, where you've been, what you've chased, um, and um, I can tell you've enjoyed absolutely every minute of it. Um, and you know, you, you seem to have a really cool um, outlook on on everything, and and very inquisitive. And um, man, congratulations on on doing all the shit we wish we did ourselves so you know um thanks i've been very lucky yeah well you know you make you make your choices mate and you're um you know in in your own way you're an inspiration to me mate so well done yeah you're the wind beneath my wings too angus yeah (laughs) Yeah, i I just need to apologize this is the second week in a row i haven't been able to shoehorn the word dentition into a show Ah, Um, show with bite yeah, but we we did get a couple of connections in there, so that's all good too. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there was something I was listening to on a podcast recently you guys did, which got very little attention. It's got nothing to do with fishing, but this this theory opened up about the name of where prosciutto came from, and I thought it was genius. The, the whole whole thing, the the idea of prosciutto smelling like like shoes and and being on your toes and stuff. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> well, there's Ow. strong there's a strong um. Yeah, there's a strong groundswell of uh, of of believers in that origin, and um, and we, I mean, we're only we're only the conduit of um of information there that from where it comes from. You know, who who are we to say or argue with, really? So at the end of the day, you know, you be the judge. Does it smell like feet to you? Does to me? Yeah. Make the story yeah. makes sense. 
It's yeah. salty. It's sort of leathery. It's yeah. It's not um, the alibi flash. No. Give us real ham. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh, that's no, been unreal talking, and um, yeah, hopefully I get up there and get to have a fish with you guys. And if you're ever down our way, you you know who to call. Fuck yeah, you. man. We should yeah. we should definitely take you up on that, and and both ways, mate. If you get up here for sure, we yeah. can um, we can we can help you forget trout for sure. <laughs> I like it, mate. I like, yeah, no, I like it. I gotta be. I really got to put in caveats for every time I say that because I know there's people that are like, oh, he's done it again. What's wrong with trout? <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> yeah, it ruffles our um, pleated elbow patches when you say stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, stock up on the saddle dressing for your yellow patch, uh, elbow patches, not yellow, <laughs> because there's more coming. Anyway. <laughs> Look, um, <laughs> Angus, thanks for making the time, man. Really appreciate it, eh? Hey? No, no worries. I appreciate the, the call out. Thanks, man. All right, man. Well, we're going to uh, let you um, go, dude, and uh, we're going to do this outro, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, no doubt, dude. Peace. Take it easy. Okay, see you, man. See you, See ya. Dude, I have no idea how the hell I heard Vulcan when he said Falcon. I mean, no, I th- my I mind thought- just started conjuring straight to this dude, like, getting Vulcans off Star Trek to fetch tennis balls or something like that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> they get that, Spock. I reckon when you, listen, when you listen back, you'll hear Vulcan. I did. Sound, did you, did you hear Vulcan? He said Vulcan, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think, like, in the same way there's... Um, uh, you know, with the the art of of um, training falcons is called falconry. But yep. if you can if uh, if you can train a falcon, it'd have to be falconry, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Wasn't that the search of volcanoes as well? Y- yeah. Yeah. That that could be that that'd be volcanology, wouldn't it? Or falconry. Vo- uh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 Volcana mm-hmm. or something like that. Um. <laughs> I get I get mixed up with my biological terms, man. Like I like it, and, it's, and I'm very tired, so you know, yeah, you'll have, to, you'll have to forgive me because it's yeah, not. Your night's it's, just beginning, mate. It's your your wedding anniversary, so you know. I don't, uh, I don't think all the people could, who were listening could have been a fully, there. Yeah, fully uh, appreciate <laughs> your, your uh, apparent sacrifice at the moment. You know, yeah, so, yeah, mm. yeah. Recognize. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But you know, aside from um, learn, I mean, we learned a lot tonight. We learned it's it's a good idea to wear pants um, <laughs> in the bush. We, we learned that aliens can be trained in the Northern Territory. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. um, what else did we learn? Um, some other stuff. Nah, but we it, it was good, man. It was good. Um, good talking, Angus, mate. It was good. He's a legend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just a cool dude. You know you. You don't want to get, um, you know, too uh, 
too uh, idolatrous with it. But um, I mean, uh, I said on the like when we wrapped up with him, I, I sort of um, I, lo- I love people who are you know going out and doing exactly what they want to do. Um, you know, because you, you only get one lap around um, uh, you know life. So I think he's um, he's he's given it a good shake. Yeah, well, there's, there's yeah, there's, there's definitely people that will say yes to opportunity that presents itself themselves, that presents itself to those, if you know what I'm saying. Mm, yeah. And then there's people that just say no to opportunity a lot because they, you know, live in a cocoon of safety. But then there's those people that will um, go out and seek um, that opportunity, you know, and make it happen rather than saying yes to it coming their way. Angus yeah. seems like one of those guys, you know, like, um, you know, um, I mean, some of the things are tying in when he talked about like jumping on the, um, the excavator to clean up the bushfire stuff. Uh, we learnt later on that he said he was, you know, working with his dad who was operating, you know, hiring out plant equipment. So, I mean, he's probably got a background in that there, but still, yeah. like, I thought to myself, what a badass. Like, you know, like, someone must have gone, right, oh, we've got this eight-ton excavator here. Who's going to operate this? And there's Angus probably with his first person with his hand up, you know? Like, that that sort of, um, that sort of yeah. jumping headfirst into it, into life sort of attitude, you know? Oh, and that's just cool. That's just you one know? example, I guess, that illustrates my point, but um, yeah, he's going straight from uni to south of France working on super yachts to end up uh, at the Seychelles on, you know, what what seemed like, um, you know, a floating bass pro shop, you know. That was incredible. Mate. Imagine if you're fishing the flats in the Seychelles and that thing rocks up, you know. God. Yeah. yeah. Could you, could you, what, what, what sum of life experiences do you think it would take to be the person on the deck of that boat just stopping still, looking around, going, this is all mine. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it, mate? That's that's wild, man. A, a boat that costs twelve million US just to keep afloat. That's per nice. annum. Per annum, that's a million a month. Oh, I'll, I'll bet he owns a fly shop. <laughs> <laughs> Probably operates a podcast too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you definitely get rich. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, man, that's um, that seems pretty interesting. That's for sure. And to um, you know, even even uh, the some experiences to say, yeah, I've, I've been tagged by a tiger snake. <laughs> no big deal. Didn't bother. Mate trains Vulcans. <laughs> it's out of this world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, it's uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. But uh, he, he's right. You know, like um, the thing is. Yeah, Australian snakes. For those who are listening from overseas and, and wigging out from thinking that how these people, how these Australians live over there, they don't they don't have intravenous fangs. They can't they can't they don't have like plungers in their head that just pump venom into you. If you're wearing wearing pants, most of the um, most of the venom gets caught on the on the fabric, absorbed in before it gets into the into the human lymphatic system. Uh-huh. It runs runs down the back of their fangs. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep, yeah, little little grooves in it, venom ducts. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Hey, mate. Um, my uh, we're, my my Tasmanian joke that that was like five seconds of silence. It felt like that, didn't it? I you thought know? I thought oh the connection's gone there, man. That that would have felt like ten minutes to you, wouldn't it? Yeah, I was a bit worried. I was saying, same, a little bit exhilarated. I thought, oh fuck, I'm done it this time. But um, <laughs> you know, had, I had a lovely message. Yeah, we had a lovely message on the socials this week from from one of our favourite Tasmanians, Shane Broadbury. Shane, that right? Shane yeah. Broadby or Broadie? Broadsword. Broadsword. Yeah, Broadie. Yeah. I bet you his nickname's Broadie for sure. Broadby. You know, Broad- but um, 
yeah, Shane, Shane O left us a nice message. Thanks, dude. Messages are always appreciated. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, well, Shane said in his message, you know, thanks for, for the work. You know, we do a little bit of uh, work on, on fishing and also um, by uh, by default, in, indirectly, you know, we um, we support things like fishing as well. That's, I see a certain kinship in, hunting, in many mean. ways between hunting and fishing. Yeah. Sorry, hunting, yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and Shane's one of those guys who's who's across both of them. Um, you have a look through his through his socials. He's into he's into um, <clears throat> harvesting a lot of different shit. So um, yeah, he's got he's got deer and and you know uh, wallabies and trout and stuff. So he gets well, right into it. I don't think it matters where uh, you know the prey the prey lives. You know, like if um you know if you take that holistic approach to um. To, yeah. to eating meat, you know, like it's, um, you know, I guess you, you a, a good hunter is a, a hunter that adapts to diff, different scenarios. I mean, you could, yeah. you could be that good hunter within within fishing for sure. But um, someone like Shane seems to live, off, um, off the off the uh, off the the natural supermarket somewhat, you know. So, oh, you know, sure. Shane, yeah. like it's, um, you know, like I, I um, I definitely um, enjoy your approach, mate, to to that sort of stuff. And uh, you know, we can see a lot of parallels. In um in fly fishing, between saltwater fly fishing and 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 trout fishing as well, you know, like although they're two different sports, you know, one's for Nate, not like King Shane. Why stirring you, mate? It's uh doesn't <laughs> doesn't like us calling trout sparrows, do you, mate? Hey, <laughs> no, no, it's all it's all good, you know. Yeah. It's all river meat or, or forest meat or, or whatever, <laughs> you yeah. know. But, uh, good on him. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks for the message, Shane. appreciate the um, kind words. It was good. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely, mate. You know, there's not yeah, only yeah. there's not only ferals in um, Tasmania, but you'll also find them in festivals around Byron Bay as well. <laughs> Northern New South Wales is a good place for ferals there as well. You know, yeah, yeah, it's good for ferals. Great spoke festival, good another good place for ferals. Yeah, yeah, that's yep. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. But uh, look, I think it's overall it's been uh, been a good show. I've, this is the first show I've done without caffeine. Oh, I think it was a win, you know. Yeah. I think, I think you were um, <laughs> you were just right, like Kellogg's, you know. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's oh, good. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate the feedback. You did a really good job too. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I'm sort of feeling tired. I'm I'm uncaffeinated as well. I haven't had anything since about mid afternoon. Had the uh, the show stopper mid afternoon to help to help get me through the rest of the day. Nice, but yeah, nice work. Mm, but yeah, tonight was a rush for various reasons. Yeah, kids playing sport and that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, cool man. Um, cool. We got an up in the air guest next week. Um, yes, he's a pilot and um, <laughs> occasionally an astronaut, maybe uh, <laughs> a hot Stunt air pilot. balloonist. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, none of that applies in actual fact, but um, <laughs> um, it is a guest that we've had this situation in the past. Whereas we've been trying to line it up for a few weeks and um, through a series of events or vagabond lifestyle, we can't make it happen. And um, it's looking like we probably are going to make it happen next week. So um, that's all the clues I'm going to give you. Yeah. Feel free to to, to put your estimates in as to who it is uh, via text message to Volti at 2am. Are you getting many messages at 2am, mate? 
not, no, I'm not. But I have to thank everyone too. I just this last week I did not receive one monkey or ape or primate um, uh, video. Yeah, so it was good. What about? What about not last week's show, but the uh, the week before when I suggested in the intro, in the uh, description that people should shazam, shazam, the last <laughs> song by Pig Pig Destroyer. Did you, end up, did you end up watching that film clip, mate? No, I didn't. It was it was monkey orientated. Oh really? Pig yeah. Destroyer. Have a look at it. What was it? Pig, what was pig the name destroyer. of the song? Pig destroyer. Um, the Diplomat. The Diplomat. Yeah, by Pig Destroyer. Now, for those that are into easy listening music, you know, like um, just well-constructed, general mainstream, you know, your um, Oz Music Network type song, Pig Destroyer is, is probably going to be one of the, um, you know, up there with the Minot Sisters or something like that, you know, as far as palatable type, easy listening, um, mainstream music. I think um, Nolsey, I think... Um, you know, sound, um, you know, Soundguard and things like that. You know, very, very comparable bands for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you watching it? Eh? Yeah, yeah. It was starting out like Planet of the Apes. It's yeah, cool. so yeah, because of the because of the monkeys, man. Yeah, right. Look at them picking each other's nits, eating them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a bit of a uh, it's a it's a very creative film clip, and I would suggest that. Um, you know, anyone who's um, looking for five minutes to burn for one of the most entertaining and um, clever film clips they could see, it's a good one. Yes, that's for sure. Look at them go. Look at them go, eh? Hey, those cute little buggers, eh? Little primates. Is that an SS Nazi uniform? I don't know. I don't think you could do that anymore. He's driving Mercedes Benz. Yeah, it's good. Got the shakes, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, only only one sleep till Christmas for that fuck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you could say that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you say we wrap this puppy up, sport? Yeah, wrap up. Let's All right, out. China. Well, I'll um I'll no doubt talk to you soon. Uh, and for you, the listeners, stay tuned to next week for some um. For a, uh, a very topical Australian fly fishing scene show, hopefully, if yeah. we can make old mate commit finally, you know? Yes, please, yes. Otherwise, I don't know, we might do a fly line special or something like that. <laughs> yep, let's do it. <laughs> All right, yeah. man, I really need to get fishing. Same here. All right, we'll see you next week. Ta da.
Have a nice day.